I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome one and all to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca, voice a little worse for wear. I don't know if it's a cold. I don't know if it's allergies. I did test negative, so we're going to go with that. So anyway, trade deadline. I'm doing this full disclosure. It's one twenty-eight Eastern time. So we still have an hour and a half of possible deals. But quite frankly, I don't know what else there is out there. Seems like everything has already been done. Anthony Pusick did a great job compiling what's happened over the last few moments. I like this deal for the Devils. They acquired forward Curtis Lazar. Nice fourth liner for them. That's a good playoff guy. Little physicality can win you a faceoff. That's a nice underrated deal for a 2024 fourth round pick from Vancouver. Uh, the Red Wings, they've acquired a seventh round pick in 2025 for uh, Dylan McLaughlin and from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Jacob Verana. So I'm not sure what that does as far as helping the Blues or the Red Wings this year. So that's just a maintenance deal. Uh, The Flyers have acquired Brendan Lemieux and a 2024 fifth-round pick from the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for Zach McEwen. So what that is is that you saw it the other day. Kings can fly. That's a team that really can motivate. But do they have the physicality they're going to need in the playoffs And I think Zach McEwen certainly supplies that for them. And the Sharks, who acquired Vladimir, uh, excuse me, uh, Vladislav Nemestikov from Dallas, or where did they acquire him? From Tampa on Wednesday. So he was a San Jose Shark for about five minutes. He gets shipped to the Jets for a 2025 fourth-round pick. Nemestikov has been traded four times at the deadline. That ties Alan May for the most times a player has been ever dealt at the deadline. Interesting stuff there. So the Jets, they can use a little um, firepower. And Amestikov's got a ton of experience. He can play on your bottom six forward-wise. So nice maintenance deal for them as well. So that's kind of what's come down. Uh, what we missed since we did our last podcast on Wednesday, Jonathan Quick goes to Vegas. Good for him. Um, I, I thought the Columbus Blue Jackets had some fun like sending out a thank you on social media. He was there for all of 10 minutes and didn't play in a game for them. But, you know, it's just cool he goes to a team that has a chance to not only compete for a playoff spot, but maybe compete with the Los Angeles Kings. So wouldn't that be something if they meet each other down the road, whether it's uh, in in the regular season just battling for first place in the Pacific Division or meeting each other in the playoffs? That's actually a pretty cool thing. So I was happy that he was able to land on his feet. Not sure how much playing time he's going to get, but I'm glad he's not in Columbus where basically the season is already over. He gets to go to a team that could compete for a Stanley Cup, and we'll see if they're going to be in the uh, top five coming up later on in the podcast. Domi, now a member of the Dallas Stars. So the Stars didn't get the big kahuna Patrick Kane, so they get Max Domi, 
from the Blackhawks. The Stars and the Blackhawks were playing each other, and Domi was pulled uh, before the game started, so he probably could have just walked right into the room uh, and actually got acquainted with his uh, newest teammates right there uh, in the same game. Of course, last night, the big news, Patrick Kane makes his debut with the Rangers and was kind of a dud. Rangers did not play well. Rangers have not really played all that well for the last few weeks, Uh, but I think Basically, what you're looking at now is is just being shorthanded kind of catches up with them. Played five defensemen again, effectively for the last three games in a row that they've had to play. Well, last Sunday against the Kings, it was four defensemen for more than 40 minutes. Five defensemen in the overtime victory against Philadelphia was very pedestrian, by the way. I don't think the Rangers played well at all. They were fortunate enough to get the win with the Kreider goal that tied it, and then the uh, Tarasenko goal that won it in overtime. And then last night, uncharacteristically giving up a lead in the third period, they just they had two letdowns. They gave up two goals in 21 seconds in the second period that erased the one nothing lead, and they gave up two goals in 51 seconds to erase the three two lead in the third. And they actually got fortunate because um, they they had a reprieve when Kachuk scored, but they took it off the board on an offside. Otherwise, they could have lost that game six three. At least they had a chance to pull the goaltender. I I don't know if what, Anthony I'm sure was watching. I was not in love with the decision by Gallant to pull Halak with two minutes and 51 seconds left with an offensive faceoff. I thought that was just way too much time. I understand they weren't getting a lot of opportunities, but they were actually losing the faceoff battle, like 54 to 46, I think it was at that time. So you don't have a guarantee you're going to win the faceoff. And then I understand it's just a, a, a minute difference, but I, I just don't like deciding the game with that much time on the clock. It also almost instantly backfired. Right, well, instantly did. So that uh, was and, great. Yeah, so uh, the original shot goes off the side of the net, and then eventually it was uh, Stutzla that put the game away with, 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 with like 244. It was like it was like, uh, like seven seconds, and, and the game was already over. So I didn't love that decision. Who knows what they would have done anyway. Well, you got a bad feeling, Don, when they had the five-minute major for the Austin Watson well, penalty it. that the Department of Player Safety has deemed was not uh, finable or suspendable, Yeah, um, which is fantastic. Uh, but no. um, they, but when they can't score on that, and I know Patrick Kane is, is new to the, to the lineup, and they moved, uh, I know Rick was talking about this on the morning show, moved Mika off of his spot to the bumper, and Panarin was in his slot shot where Mika's made a, a killing on right. the power play over the last year and a half. Um, they really, they haven't had a lot of time to work these guys in. I mean, Tarasenko no. and Forsberg last night, that was fantastic, so you love to see that if you're the Rangers. Sure. But um, they're going to have to, they need some time to get, first of all, healthy. And, and get and get whole, and then Kane's going to have to adjust to playing. It looked like Panarin and Kane tried to force it to each other a yeah. lot last night. You know what? It looked like a team that hasn't had a chance to really practice much, and they're going to get some time. They're going to play tomorrow afternoon in Boston, and oh, dear God, having to play shorthanded against Boston with five defensemen. So we'll see if Ryan Lindgren can go. Keandre Miller's going to serve the last game of his suspension on Saturday, and Boston will get to them in the second, You know, winning nine straight. So that's a... That's a tough spot for on the Rangers ABC, to be so in. tune in, everybody. Yeah, on ABC, on the mothership. And and then they get four days off before they have to go to Montreal. So that'll give them some time to practice, work on the power play. As you said, 0 for 4, missed on the five-minute major, got a power play right after that, it carried over into the second period, didn't cash in on any of them. So you're right, that's what killed them. They had the one nothing lead on the shorthanded goal from Kreider, 
and they just couldn't get that insurance goal and give Ottawa credit. They've now won 11 of their last 15 and have found themselves in the thick of this playoff race, just four back of the Islanders for the final wild card spot with three games in hand. So they've won four in a row, seven, two and one in their last 10. As I mentioned, 11 wins in their last 15. So the Ottawa Senators with Kachuk, with Watson, with Stutzla, with Giroux, They've got a lot of good players on that team. Chikrin made his debut. They weren't sure he was going to play, and he ended up playing in the game. Took a bad penalty and also got hurt, but he came back. But that's going to strengthen an Ottawa team that could go for it because we were waiting for Florida, waiting for Buffalo to be able to take advantage of their games in hand. Really have not been able to do that. Buffalo, again, lost two in a row. Florida had a bad loss last night to Nashville. Uh, Washington selling off pieces. Um, Detroit, they're selling off pieces. They've kind of fallen apart recently. Uh, they're just five wins in their last ten. So Ottawa has now got reason to play here as they've got 19 games left in the season and a chance to make the playoffs. And just watching them play, that's a good team. Derek Broussard burns his old team with a couple of goals. He was cherry-picking last night with the net empty de- up two to try to get the hat trick. So that's a nice, impressive Ottawa Senator team. So no shame losing to them, especially how hot they've been. But the Rangers look like they were kind of sucking wind. And being shorthanded, it certainly didn't help. And we'll see if Lindgren will get a chance to play tomorrow. If not, they're going to have to go with 12-5 and five again. As far as Patrick Kane, listen, the, the building was electric. It was a lot of fun watching him play. It's going to take some time. And it took some time for Tarasenko, and it looks like he's finally getting in the groove now. He's scored in back-to-back games. Uh, He's had, what, four or five points in those last two games. So if Tarasenko's starting to feel it, it took a couple of weeks. So it might take a couple of weeks for Kane, too. And how about this first stat? I don't know if they mentioned it on TV, Anthony, um, but we had it on the radio broadcast, that Patrick Kane has played 10 games at Madison Square Garden before the deal because obviously with the Blackhawks being in the Western Conference. And he will play, counting last night, 10 home games before the season's over. So he'll play as many home games as a Ranger here at the end of the season than he's played his entire career at Madison Square Garden. Got a standing ovation, great reception. But the game just kind of a dud as uh, they lose that contest. Uh, And now, you know, we talk about the Rangers being landlocked. And can they be caught? Well, Pittsburgh had a nice win last night at overtime over Tampa Bay. Came back to win that game. Had a big second period scoring three goals. So that 5-4 win coupled with the Rangers' loss, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Pittsburgh can still catch the Rangers. Now, they're eight points back with a game in hand. So even if they win the game in hand, that's still six but the Rangers and Penguins play three times between now and the end of the season. As a matter of fact, I think it's three time in like three times in like an eight day span. Rivalry week. Rivalry week, right? Because the Rangers and Penguins play two games in three days at Madison Square Garden. With the cap sandwiched in somewhere, is that right? Something like That's that. That's right. It's a big rivalry week that they're promoting at MSG. So do not rule the Penguins out of possibly catching the Rangers if the Rangers do take a little time to get going here. And with the Rangers going into a hornet's nest on Saturday against Boston, Pittsburgh's going to be at Florida. Don't be shocked if we do the show on Monday and Pittsburgh is only six back with a game in hand. I don't think Pittsburgh's playing on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Let's see. No, they're not. So we can go into Monday's action with it being six and a game in hand. 
So we were talking. I was leading the charge. It looks like it's inevitable that the Rangers and the Devils are going to play each other in the first round. Well, the Devils can still catch Carolina. How about that win for New Jersey the other night? 7-5 over Colorado. So the Devils are just a point back of Carolina. Carolina does have a game in hand. Devils will continue their road trip tonight in Vegas. Carolina will be in Arizona. So there's still a lot of things up in the air. By the and way, one of those Benino. things up in the air, Anthony, is Pittsburgh possibly catching the Rangers if the Rangers don't get their act together. And they've, and they've played well. They've won four in a row. So they've had a very up-and-down seesaw season. But right now they have the first wild card. So who knows what can happen there. Also, Boston, you know, they won. They just wiped the floor with Buffalo 7-1. There were a couple of empty net goals at the end of that game. But still, it was an amazing win again for them. And just their stats just are unbelievable Dimitri right Orlov now. Dimitri has eight points. Doug. Eight points. Think about that. He had a goal and assist last night. Had two goals in his debut. Um, plus 103 goal differential. And again, to put that in perspective, the Devils are in second place at plus 53. 101 points. This seems pretty good. Yeah, and they pick up, they pick up Bertuzzi. And... I was talking about with Dave Maloney. Felino's out for them, and they had to put Hall on long-term IR to be able to fit Bertuzzi in the salary cap because he had a kind of chunky uh, salary um, cap hit coming over. He's a nice player, you know. He's an, now you'd rather have Hall healthy and rather have Felino healthy, but they they have done a lot of things. And, and Allmark is just here's the difference when you all these teams Devils making a deal for a rental in Meyer, Rangers making a deal for a rental in Kane. Um, they're doing these things because they want to make a serious run to the cup because of where they are in the standings. And the scary thing is you're going to have to get through Boston. And right now, forget about everything Boston has going for them up front with all the talented players. Pasternak's got, what, 43 goals, Bergeron, Marchand, McAvoy, loaded, right? Loaded on the blue line, loaded up front. The difference between the Bruins right now, if you look at it, and everything else has been their goaltending. Allmark has just been an absolute stud. And let's face it, Devils don't have a studding goal. And also, I don't think I'm speaking out of school, Anthony. I don't think right now you can say the Rangers have a studding goal in the way that Shesterkin's played. You know, he's playing at a at a 9-10 save percentage. Allmark's facing 50-some-odd shots the other night against Calgary and, like, making every save. Now, I don't know if it's sustainable because he's never done this before. But what Shesterkin was to the Rangers last year, Olmark has been to the Bruins this year. Now, I think Shesterkin has it in him to play better, and that could be the great equalizer, great goaltending. But right now, you could tell me about the talent up front, and certainly the Rangers have as much talent, if not more talent, than anybody else in the National Hockey League. But the goaltending has to be better. And Olmark right now is the difference. And Olmark is the reason why this team is playing just absolutely out of their minds. So we'll see if that continues. Olmark does not have that in the back of his hockey card. Shesterkin, we know how well he can play. So he's going to have to play better. And I'm not putting it all on his shoulders. Rangers have to do better on their power play. they got to do better five-on-five. There's a lot of ways that they can improve. But right now, if you look at the difference between the Rangers this year and last year, is the goaltending. They are a better team. They've got way more talent than they had last year. Last year at the deadline, the Rangers made a deal for Kopp and Vetrano. This year, they make a trade uh, deadline deals for Tarasenko and Kane. They are way better, but the goaltending has not been as good. Good news is they've got 20 games to try to correct that, so we'll see if that can happen um, uh, starting tomorrow in Boston. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kraken, 5-4 win over the Red Wings. That's pretty much the death knell for Detroit. Um, the, the Kraken get a couple of goals from McCann. So the Kraken right now, they are in third place, 74 points. They sit four points back of Vegas. L.A.'s got 63 games played. They have 78 points. Uh, L.A. played last night against the, the, the Canadians, and they did what they had to do. They found a way to be able to win the game, um, and they – Almost blew a lead in the process, but they they held on and they were able to get the 3-2 win, something you absolutely have to do. Same thing Wild. Wild are competing in the Central Division. They're trying to catch Dallas for first place. They're three points back, both teams with the same amount of games in hand. Then when you have a situation like that, you absolutely have to win in Vancouver, and that's what they did. Maple Leafs come back and beat the Flames 2-1. to one. I think the Flames are dead. Marner and Yarncroke get the goals. Um, a very low-scoring game, obviously. Flames only had 26 shots on goal. So the Flames right now, they are five points back of Winnipeg, and Winnipeg's got a game in hand. Calgary wants to try to catch Edmonton for the first wild card. Well, they sit right now uh, seven points back, same amount of games played. Does Calgary want to catch Colorado? Colorado, oh, by the way, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, despite that loss to the Devils the other night. They've got 73 points. So you're six right now six points back of, well, never mind Colorado, excuse me, Seattle, because they're in the, the wrong division, excuse me, 74 points for Seattle. So you're sitting back, you know, seven points back. Seattle's got a game in hand. Calgary's won three of their last 10. They haven't gotten the goaltending that they had last year. So I think we're locked into our eight teams in the West. And it's just a matter of jockeying for position, and there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position because right now the best team in the West has 79 points in Dallas. The last playoff team in the West is Winnipeg with 72. So there's seven points separating the number one seed to the number eight seed. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of jockeying for position. But meanwhile, when you look out in the East, we've talked about this before, Buffalo still has a shot, four points back with four games in hand on the Islanders. Ottawa, four points back, three games in hand on the Islanders. Florida, four points back, game in hand on the Islanders. So there's a lot of hockey. Should be a tremendous amount of fun. Well, it's Friday. You know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. You know what? Let's throw in Vegas to the Top 5. Number 5. You know, they're 7-1-2 in their last 10. I like the acquisition of Quick. Uh, They're getting healthy and they're starting to climb up. Uh, they've got a little bit of separation, just that one, you know, the, the, the tiebreaker against the Kings, but again, two less games played. I was thinking about putting the Kings there. I've been impressed with them as well. Kopitar has been on fire, but let's land on Vegas at number five. 
Number four. Number four is you've got your Toronto Maple Leafs, plus 47 goal differential, which is third best in the National Hockey League. They have played terrific at home, and they have won seven of their last ten. I've got the Maple Leafs at number four. Number three. Carolina Hurricanes, I have dropping down a couple of losses on this Western swing for them. They've still won seven of their last ten, and the plus 46 goal differential right up there among the best in the National Hockey League. But the reason I have Carolina slipping to number three is because of who's number two. Number two. The New Jersey Devils, winners of three straight. Uh, even though Hughes is banged up, uh, they're, and, they're, and they didn't even get a chance to play Meyer against Colorado because he was banged up, but they add him at the deadline. I love the Lazar deal. Goaltending needs to be better, but I think it will be. Second-best goal differential in the NHL, a plus 53. 7-2-1 in their last 10. Mercer has been unbelievable. Goals in eight straight games. The Devils I have moving up to number two. Number one. Yeah! Do I even bother to tell you? It's the Boston Bruins, and I'm not going to even explain to you why they're number one, because if you need me to explain to you why they're number one, then you clearly are, you've stumbled on to the wrong podcast, because I got, quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of telling you how great they are. You should know. Plus 103 goal differential is all you need to know. All right, let's close out the week with your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to Courtney. Hi, Don. What are your thoughts on Ottawa making the playoffs? They've given Boston trouble this year, one of the few teams to beat them twice and would make for a fun first-round matchup. It certainly would be. God, can you imagine if Ottawa beat Boston in the first round? I don't get too caught up on regular season matchups, but still, that is something that a lot of the teams can't stake a claim to. Seattle's also played them very well, but they're obviously not going to face each other in the first round. Just Giroux, Kachuk, Stutzla... Brassard's played well. He's got double-digit goals now. The Chikrin addition is terrific. I'm, I'm a fan of the team. Can Talbot has played well for them. I think Ottawa does have a chance. Now, their schedule is very difficult down the stretch, but still, you can't rule them out as a possibility. Sam Diaz says there are so many passes during the Rangers' power play. Is there any way that Gerard Gallant can get players to shoot more and pass less. I understand How many years? open lanes. How many years do we have to ask the same question? Well, we ask the same question all the time. Different Unselfish. coaches, yeah. different strategies. Shoot the puck, Barry. Same problem. It's they not get it. the coaches. But I, I got to tell you, the one thing I will say, not just the power play, Maybe because I watch this team more than any other team calling the games, doing the pre and post. I see so many just blind passes to nowhere. That Philadelphia game, there were so many just unforced turnovers. They played terrible. They just, it's not, you're not the Harlem Globetrotters of hockey. I know those behind the back, between the legs passes look gorgeous when they connect. But if it creates an odd man rush the other way, what are you doing? So I think that'll get cleaned up. This is the longest break the Rangers will have before the playoffs. Thank God. The four days off after the Boston game. Chance to clean it up. You've got some winnable games in Montreal, in Buffalo, and then you got the big meeting with Pittsburgh next Sunday. Um, so you get three games in four nights, but there's points to be had there. Let's see what they do on Saturday. I'm not expecting much considering how good Boston is, and the Rangers still may be shorthanded to 5D. 
But get through Boston, do what you can, steal a point if you can, and then use those four days to get everybody on the same page and then hit the ground running for the final 19. Robert Jimenez says, Hey, Don, what is your take on Kane's first game as a Ranger? You can tell he had some jitters. If they can get these lines rolling and comfortable, do you think that they can really be a force? I also think Tarasenko is a perfect fit for the top line with Mika and Krides. Give Gallant credit. He will toy. He will tinker. Eventually, we will have the lines that will be good enough for the playoffs. I like having Kane play with Trocek and Panarin. Makes sense. Make him feel comfortable. Somebody he's played with before. Tarasenko with Kreider and Zabanajad. Both Kreider and Zabanajad had good nights last night. They are a force. They will be a force. I would just like to see the goaltending be better. Tommy P says, hey, Don, when a player gets traded for future considerations, what is that? Cash? Well, sometimes it's cash. Sometimes it's a minor league player. Um, it happens in all sports. It really could be anything because especially in a cap era, Maybe you just need something to make sense for you later on that's not going to make sense at the time that you make the deal. Sometimes it's something that's agreed upon contingent on many other things. That's why it's future considerations, but now it doesn't always have to be cash. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don L says, hello, Don. Did you see the segment on ESPN's first take yesterday of what Stephen A. Smith and Molly Karam said about the NHL when your partner Michael Kay was on the show and said the only thing that they know about hockey is the puck is black and other rude comments? Here, can we see. can we, can we, we have a minute, Don? Just <laughs> me and you yes, and the listeners. Yes. I don't yes. know how you feel about it. I think Stephen A. was obviously kidding. He's done this bit before. I just don't think the joke came off as well as he would have liked the joke to come off. In my opinion. Hey. I don't think Stephen A. actually believes that hockey doesn't matter. I think he it's probably fourth on his list, but I don't think he doesn't I, care. Stephen A. is a very smart person. Let me play both sides. And again, I'm, I'm fans of both. I don't know Molly well, but I'm friendly with Stephen A. Smith. So I feel like I'm coming from a place of a little knowledge. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you both sides of it because there's always two sides to every story. I think you're right. I think it was a joke that went bad. I think the wrong language was used. You know where they don't count. I think Molly could have used a better phrase than that. So I can understand hockey fans being sensitive. They do have the NHL rights, so you would think they'd get a little bit better treatment on a very high-profile show like First Take. But I just don't know why we go down this route with hockey and pretty much hockey only. Because soccer gets love. 
Like soccer just seems to me, because of how popular it is around the world, they've got that to throw back at you. So it just seems like hockey gets picked on, and we're sensitive about it as hockey fans because we feel like we've always got this uphill battle of just getting anybody to talk about it. I will say I wouldn't care because really, honestly, as much as you feel like you were being disrespected by Molly and Steven, no offense to either of them, but do you really care about their opinion on hockey anyway? Like, I think the only thing worse uh, 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 the only thing worse than them not talking hockey is if they did talk hockey. <laughs> it's not something that they're familiar with or they cover, so what do you care? You'd like better treatment, but I, I just don't know if there's any reason to kind of flip out about it. But We're, we're also burying the lead that, shout out to Michael Kay for, for doing the right well, thing. Well, absolutely. And, and, and that, that was another reason I was going to defend them, is they were fully expecting him to say the Yankees, because he's the Yankee announcer, and they were just taken aback that it wasn't a baseball answer. So they kind of scrambled, and they had to go off script, and it wasn't something they were prepared for. And whenever that, that happens, unfortunately, you're going to probably not be able to mince your words properly, and that's why you hear they don't count, and and, and the reaction he did, because they just weren't prepared for Michael to say Rangers and Patrick Kane. And Stephen A. Smith had a great um, video on social media today, apologizing and all that. So he's at least coming from a good place. So it's certainly forgivable. But but what I've always said, and I will stand by this, is that it's a crutch for a lot of talk show hosts in this country to not talk hockey because it's the fourth sport and it hurts ratings and it's just not as popular and no one cares it's easy and they've got numbers to back it up and that's their crutch the real reason they don't talk about it is because they don't know it they don't follow it and a dirty little secret about sports talk show hosts they usually don't feel real comfortable talking about things that aren't in their wheelhouse all right so that's where it comes from. Because if Stephen A. Smith just happened to be a huge hockey fan, I'm sure they'd be getting plenty of love. They wouldn't talk about it anymore because, again, it is not a ratings bonanza when it gets talked about, but it would get love because he would be a hockey fan. The reason I know this is because one of the greatest shows in the history of sports radio was Mike and Chris, Mike and the Mad Dog, in New York. And, boy, did we get a lot of tennis from Chris Russo. More tennis than I think New York had an appetite to hear because Chris Russo was a tennis fan and he talked about what he felt comfortable with. And Francesa made fun of him when he talked about tennis because he said nobody cared. But Chris talked about it because he cared. Same thing with hockey. You don't have a lot of major hosts in the country where it's in their wheelhouse. Give me the Michael K show, you'll have more hockey. Put me in LA as an afternoon drive, I'll talk Kings to you puke out of your eyes. But those things aren't going to happen, so I wouldn't get uh, too uh, bent out of shape and about it. I also get sensitive, maybe you know, I'm playing into the role of when people say, oh, you're, why are your hockey fans so sensitive? Because I do think it is the one sport that does seem to get more abuse heaped on it. Um, but anyway, not for this podcast. Tom says, should the Rangers be concerned about Pittsburgh catching up to them in the standings? Eight-point lead right now, three games against them coming up next week. Might be the biggest games of the year for the Rangers. I wouldn't concern is strong. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but it's something to kind of keep an eye on because of the fact they play three times and the Penguins won the only meeting that they've had this year. So I don't see the Penguins sweeping the series. So I do think the Rangers are going to be fine in those three games, two of which are going to be at Madison Square Garden back to back later on this month. 
Um, but Pittsburgh does have a game in hand, but it is something to keep an eye on. Not a fait accompli anymore. The Rangers and Devils are playing each other. Rangers can be caught, and the, and the and Carolina can be caught by the Devils, no question. Steve Brzezinski, how about him? This has to be one of the wildest trade deadlines in history of in the NHL, and it's not nearly getting enough attention it rightly deserves. Really, but the, 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 the thing is, from a Nash, again, we're getting into the same conversation again. Kane was the big name, and I think it got plenty of coverage. Kane, because that was the biggest name. I mean, listen, I'm the biggest hockey fan there is. Timo Meyer is not going to resonate around the sports world, okay? Curtis Lazar is not going to register. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi isn't going to register. Jacob Chikrin is not going to register, okay? To hockey fans, those are names. Those are significant. That's why you have a podcast. But the only name, Steve, that has been dealt that's going to move the needle is Patrick Kane, and I think it did. Zach, instead of the NHL getting uh, trying to get late spot for Saturday nights, how about more afternoon games during the week? Lots of people still work at, from home. A three or four start on the West Coast could be ideal for East Coast viewers to uh, rather than a 10:30 start. It's interesting, Zach, because we did see some afternoon games during the pandemic, and I loved it. You know, I'm at work. There's a game going on. You do have a chance of something happening where there might be a little bit more attention on it because it's going on while there are afternoon drive talk show hosts that might be able to bring it up. It just, I don't think it would really garner a number. One of the reasons the pandemic was so hard on TV numbers was because a lot of games were played at missed times. They were played in the afternoon. Baseball fans will tell you that those afternoon games are cool. They don't rate. They don't get a number. People are going back to work now. So... Um, attendance could be a problem in certain markets as well. Uh, you think it's going to be easy for you know some of the smaller market teams to be able to get fans in a building for a 1 o'clock start on a Tuesday or even a 4 o'clock start? Great on the weekends. I'm all for it on the weekends, especially for the kids. Now, could the Rangers do it? Sure. But you know, you get some of the, um, the smaller market teams or a team that's not doing very well. Can you imagine you know, a team like, uh, even though the Philadelphia Flyers are very popular, I mean, the team's out of it. If they're going to play a 3 o'clock game in the afternoon, it's not going to be anybody there. I, mean, I, I joked, Anthony, during the broadcast uh, on Wednesday, I felt like I was at a Sixer game. Because when I looked down, I saw nothing but blue. I thought the Philadelphia Sixers were playing because the Ranger fans really have been traveling because the team has been so exciting and fun this year. So I get what you're saying, Zach, and kind of makes sense. But I don't think it makes sense from a rating standpoint. I think there's certain markets that would really struggle to fill a building in the afternoon uh, during the week. They didn't have to worry about that during the pandemic because they were in a bubble or they weren't allowing any fans in, so it really didn't matter. Um, something to be talked about is you know earlier starts, like 6.30 starts or 6 o'clock starts instead of 7 or 7.30 starts. That That could be something that could be helpful as well because I do think people's habits have changed a little bit when it comes to watching television. It's still that old standard of 7, 7.30. People are home from work, the 9 to 5ers. I'm wondering if that makes as much sense anymore things the world is has really changed so had a lot of fun today hope you enjoyed the top five want to get in touch with me at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct thanks to anthony pusick for putting all the trades together and contributing to the pod i saw ej raddick yesterday at the garden we spent the whole game together we held hands it was really interesting um he has confirmed that he will be with me on monday and we'll be able to go over all the deals and really find out where all these teams stand the rest of the season so we'll talk to you again coming up on Monday, this was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.